Welcome to another episode of the Buckets Ranch Show. We got a lot to talk about this week. We got NBA playoffs. The first round is heating up. No series are over yet. Potentially one that could end tonight. But we got a lot to talk about breaking down all the series. Basically game four has been played in every single series besides tonight where we got the Celtics taking on the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to break down each and every series. I'm going to get into some guys that are underachieving some guys that are hooping balling out their mind talking about the team concept what's going on moving forward i'm going to rank the teams that i think are in best position based off of what i've seen right now how they're looking who's looked the best who's underachieved underperformed breaking down all that analysis coming up also talking about a couple awards we got scotty Barnes who won the rookie of the year marcus smart won defensive player of the year we're going to get into all of that here on this episode of the buckets ranch show so without further ado Let's get it started. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets because I really need to go in on the Brooklyn Nets. They are down 0-3. They're the only team out of 16 teams that made the NBA playoffs. They're the only team that has yet to win a playoff game. This is the team that has a guy that a lot of people consider to be the best player on the planet at one point, Kevin Durant. They also have Kyrie Irving, who a lot of people consider to be the most skilled basketball player to ever play the game. These are the type of things have been said about this duo the most skilled duo of all time all this stuff has been said about these two players and they have yet to win a single game this is a team that before the season was picked to win the nba championship by most they were the favorites in vegas to win the nba championship and they've yet to win a playoff game a team with 36 wins in the new orleans pelicans has won two playoff games off of the number one seed the 64 win phoenix suns Yet the Brooklyn Nets cannot beat the Celtics yet. I'm in. Still game four tonight. We'll see what happens. But up to this point, zero playoff wins uh, under their belt, which is just terrible for a number of reasons. And we're going to get into them right now. We're going to get into how Kevin Durant has played one of the worst playoff performances by a superstar ever. No exaggeration ever. We have never seen at least in this generation uh, a level of first round playoff series that has been this pathetic from one of the best players in the league and Kevin Durant in this series is averaging 22 points a game five rebounds five assists he's shooting just 36 and a half percent from the field and he's having slightly more turnovers a game 5.6 than he does assists which is pretty alarming considering he's never been much of a playmaker, but he's been trying to put together more of a playmaking repertoire. He's been trying to facilitate more for his teammates, and it's just not worked out for him. And Boston is really speeding him up defensively, forcing him into tough decisions. They're bringing traps. They're bringing double teams at him, and he's not able to handle this well at all. Boston's been playing some stifling defense on him. When we break it down game by game, it gets even worse than the numbers I just read. He shot 9 for 24 from the field in game one with six turnovers. In game two, he followed that up with an even worse shooting performance, going 4 for 17 from the field with six turnovers. Game three, he only shot 11 shots. He adjusted. He said, you know what? I'll try to be more efficient with my shots, which means I'm going to take less shots, which means I'm going to try to get my teammates more involved, and I'm not going to force the issue. So he only took 11 shots all game finishing with 16 points and five turnovers. Just unacceptable from a guy that a lot of people are considering the best scorer to ever play the game. 
you can't go out like this. You can't be outplayed thoroughly on both ends of the floor by the opposing superstar in Jason Tatum, and that's what he's done. He's taken it to Kevin Durant on both ends of the floor, and even when KD's had opportunities for single coverage, he still hasn't been able to convert consistently, and it's really tough to see. If you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, if you're a Kevin Durant fan, how do you even defend this? This has been absolutely pathetic. So uh, he's got to not go out like this. He's got to show up in game four. He, he's got to drop 30 plus. And, and at least if you're going to lose, at least show up, at least ball out. This was not a situation before the series where people were looking at the Brooklyn Nets saying they have no chance. I personally picked the Celtics in six games, but Brooklyn, you had a chance. You're right there. You, hypothetically, you should have had the best player in the series. You should have had two of the top three players in the series. And neither of these guys have shown up. And when we talk about this notion of KD being in the conversation for the best player in the world, he has never been the best player in the league. Never. Not once. Ever since he got drafted. You look at the guys that have been in that conversation since he got into the league, the guys that have been definitively to me better than Kevin Durant since he got into the league Kobe Bryant LeBron James Stephen Curry Kawhi Leonard had a year in 2019 with the Raptors and then Giannis Antetokounmpo those guys have all had the title of best player in the league when Kevin Durant's also been in the league and at no point was Kevin Durant better than those players in the specific seasons that we're referring to so even though he's consistently been in the top three for most of his prime, even though he's going to be considered one of the greatest of all time and certain attributes of his game, you could say he's been the best in the league at. As an overall basketball player, when we look at impact, when we look at production, he has never been the best, the number one spot in the league. Even when he was winning back-to-back finals MVPs with the Golden State Warriors, let's be real, that was Stephen Curry's team. Stephen Curry was the driving force of that team. Steph Curry was the best player on that team. And we're seeing this year with Golden State, they didn't need Kevin Durant at all. The team in 2015 won the championship. In 2016, they went 73-9 and with the unanimous MVP of the league. They were up 3-1 in the NBA Finals, and they choked. They did. They choked. But they had already won a championship with that core. They could have brought it back. They could have made other improvements to the roster. Just because they signed Kevin Durant, one of the greatest basketball players in the world, does not mean that they needed him and validating the fact that they quote-unquote needed him, him winning the finals MVPs, that doesn't mean much, if anything. It really doesn't. It just means he showed up and had two phenomenal series in the NBA Finals. It means he's an incredible scorer, an incredible player, and he balled out. But that doesn't mean Golden State needed him. They've regrouped the roster. Steph and Clay didn't play the last two years, and they struggled. Steph played five games in the 2020 season. He had a full season where he was playing MVP caliber ball, some of the best ball of his career last year, but Clay Thompson wasn't available. He was still injured. So they come back this year with the full band, Steph, Clay, Draymond, even though Clay missed almost half the season, and Steph missed time at the end of the year. So they basically hadn't logged. They logged like 11 minutes together during the regular season. But now in the playoffs, they're all together. They're all whole, even though Curry's still coming off the bench. And look how they look. We're going to get into that later. But they look absolutely phenomenal. They look absolutely unstoppable. Potentially the NBA championship favorites. At least to me, going into the playoffs, they're my pick to win the championship. So 
And that's without Kevin Durant on the roster. So you can't sit up here and tell me that the Golden State Warriors needed Kevin Durant to win a championship. It's looking like, if anything, Kevin Durant needed the Golden State Warriors to win a championship because we have not seen Kevin Durant come anywhere near a championship since then. And before then, we saw him go to the NBA Finals in 2012, lost in five games to the Miami Heat with OKC. And then they blew a 3-1 lead against Golden State in the Western Conference Finals of 2016. Ever since that moment, Kevin Durant has not been back to a conference finals. And he pushed the Bucks to seven games last year, and that was very, very impressive. But that was the second-round exit on his resume at the end of the day. And if you get swept, or even gentlemen swept, by the Boston Celtics in the first round this year, it's just a terrible look. It really, really is. And it's another year of KD going to Brooklyn, trying to do it on his own way, his own terms, and failing. Him and Kyrie Irving, they had James Harden before. That super team failed. And then they traded for Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons is just not going to play? And and when I sat up here and I evaluated the Ben Simmons trade, I told you guys, man, we don't know about Ben Simmons. He hasn't played all season. What makes you think he's all of a sudden going to come back He's going to be some difference maker. He hasn't even come back yet. His back is sore. That's what what he's saying. His back is sore. And he hasn't been playing. Keep in mind, he hasn't been playing NBA basketball all year long. But his back is sore. It's, it's, It's bad in Brooklyn right now. It really, really is. That trade, not looking good whatsoever. And you weren't able to capitalize. Again, there was a lot of variables to why it didn't work with the big three in terms of James Harden uh, getting his hamstring injury, Kyrie Irving getting injured. I get it. I get it. But at the end of the day, Harden wanted out for a reason. And it just, you weren't able to materialize anything of substance. And if KD does not win an NBA championship with the Brooklyn Nets, it's going to be a huge stain on his legacy and his resume. And this season, the way it's going, this playoff series is a pretty big stain as well. Even though he was phenomenal in the regular season, he has not brought that same energy into the NBA playoffs. And it's a a bad look for him. And he's got to be better. Simple as that. The Brooklyn Nets are in a very, very tough situation. And people are beginning to finally see some of the things that people have been saying about Kevin Durant in terms of he looks like this unstoppable basketball player when he's on a Golden State Warriors dynastic squad with two of the greatest shooters of all time in the backcourt and with the best defender in the league, Draymond, in the frontcourt. Like that, that's a situation where you're going to look ridiculous. They're not going to be able to trap you. They're not going to be able to double team you. The type of defensive attention that you're receiving is the type of defensive attention that Stephen Curry has been receiving for years. So... It's not it's not the same situation. He's really starting to figure that out. Even now with James Harden not in the mix, you can load up more on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And we'll get to Kyrie Irving in a second because he has a lot of blame as well. And the superstars, both of them, are to blame for this series because the role players have actually shown up. The other guys, I mean, they're basically doing what we expect them to do. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are the guys that are not doing what we expect them to do. Kyrie Irving had a phenomenal game, one thirty-nine points. But outside of that, it's been real suspect, Kyrie Irving. 
has been real suspect, man. And, and 16 points from you is not going to cut it. You got all the skills, all the bags of tricks. You got the best handle. You even got a post game as a guard. I've raved about Kyrie Irving's skill set and how much I like him as a basketball player and, and the type of things he can do. But production matters. And when you're not producing in the postseason, it matters. And we got to get on you for it. And looking back at the decision these guys made to team up and the guys they chose to let that chose to leave, excuse me. Kyrie Irving left LeBron James at the point where he was the best basketball player in the league. He said, I want my own team. I want to be out of LeBron's shadow. I want to be in a new situation. And what happened? In Boston, it didn't work out. First year, it looked like they were going to go to the finals. Kyrie gets hurt again. This is a theme. Kyrie Irving has sacrificed finals opportunities, championships, opportunities at least because of injury for multiple years. And that happened his first year in Boston. Then second year in Boston, they lose in the second round. Kyrie underperforms, the team underperforms, and they go home. And now he's about to get beat by the same team that he left again, Boston, and had the fallout with. He's about to lose to that team. That's a bad look. That's a very, very, very bad look. And the fact that Kevin Durant left Steph Curry and now he's seeing that, man, this this building a team thing is, is pretty hard. It's hard to build a championship squad from the ground up. We got ways to go to get to where we want to be. That's what he's realizing. And with Steph Curry, he built that thing from the ground up in Golden State. And KD got there when it was already built. It was already built. He did not have to build anything. He just came in there and continued to do what he's been doing his entire career. Get buckets, do some little things out there, rebound a little bit, pass a little bit, you know. Very, very great basketball player, but he didn't have to build anything with the Golden State Warriors. They already built it. So it'd be interesting to see how this, this core moves forward because they have talent. Katie and Kyrie are phenomenal talents, but they got to figure it out production-wise, impact-wise, and get it done in the postseason because it's going to look very, very bad for them if they can't. Uh, as I said before, the only team in the playoffs right now without a playoff victory. This was a team preseason you guys labeled as a team to beat, and they were favorites to win the NBA championship. So further layers onto this series, the fact that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were both drafted via Brooklyn Nets picks from a Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce trade years ago, that's tough. That's tough right there. Boston's head coach, Ime Odoka, was on Brooklyn's head coaching staff last year. And we already mentioned Kyrie Irving losing to his former team. Just a lot of layers. A lot of layers in this series. And it was supposed to be the most competitive first-round series going in. And all the games have been relatively close, to their credit. Jason Tatum got a buzzer beater to end game one. And the other two games were within six, seven points. So it's not like these... Guys are getting blown out, which even makes it even more crazy that 
we're calling for the superstars to show up because they hit a couple buckets and it's a completely different game, completely different series. So very interesting stuff there. Credit to Boston. Their defense has been stifling. Jason Tatum, a two-way superstar, particularly with his impressive defense on KD. He's been the primary defender on KD, doing a heck of a job. And when we look at the top playoff defenses right now, the Celtics and the Miami Heat have to be the two at the very, very top. And speaking of the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat are up 3-1 to one in their series versus the Atlanta Hawks. And Trey Young, we got to talk, have a similar conversation to KD. Obviously, your, your legacy and your resume, we're not like 14 years in like we are with, with Kevin Durant. We're only a couple years in. Your, your chapters, your books just beginning to be written. But this is one of those series that is a very, very bad look for you. And I've raved about Trey Young numerous times on this show, on everything I've been doing, like in terms of my analysis. Like Trey Young has been the supreme offensive weapon in the NBA. He led the league in total points and total assists. He's been dynamic, averaged almost 30 points a game and 10 assists a game this season. And he got held to single-digit scoring in multiple playoff games by this Miami Heat defense. Unacceptable. No matter how they're defending you, single-digit scoring for a guy that averaged almost 30 points. That's nuts. And for the series, Trey Young's averaging 16 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 6 turnovers. Again, high turnovers just like Kevin Durant. Shooting 35% from the field. Similar to Kevin Durant. 21% from 3-point range. And in game 1, he had 8 points on 1 for 12 shooting from the field. And then in game 4, he had 9 points on 3 for 11. That's not going to cut it. That's really not going to cut it. And Trey Young is a guy that's one of the top shooters, especially off the dribble and and from limitless range. He's one of the top shooters in the league and shooting 21% from three. He's not getting clean looks. I understand it. And if he wants to get clean looks, he's got to shoot it from basically the logo, which he's hit several logo shots in this series. But regardless, it's it's just you got to find a way. You got to find a way to be an impactful offensive piece of the team and he is generating a lot of attention but he's not he's not been able to cash in the Hawks have not been able to cash in and the only way they had a chance in this series is because they're the number two ranked offense in the league during the regular season and that's mainly carried by Trey Young and so if Trey Young is bottled down which the Miami Heat knew they bottled him down and now the series is over basically Heat are up three to one Trey Young got a game. He was able to hit a deep three down the stretch. He was able to outscore the Heat in clutch time. And he was able to hit the game-winning floater in game three. So props to him for that. And even in that game, he wasn't having some phenomenal game. He just really showed up and showed out down the stretch. He willed his team to a game, which is what we want to see Kevin Durant do. But for the series as a whole, it's been very, very rough. And the numbers are actually slightly worse than Kevin Durant. So... Be better, Trey Young. Superstar status. I've called you a top 10 player. The best offensive weapon in the league during the regular season. This is a learning experience. Because you got to be better in this instance. And we've seen last year that he can be better. 
going to the conference finals, and he faced some very, very tough defenses with Philadelphia, with the New York Knicks, even with the Milwaukee Bucks. He faced three very, very tough defenses last year, and he got it done. So maybe not quite as good as his Miami Heat defense right now, but he's faced some elite defenses, and he's shown up. So this is something he'll have to to work out and, and figure out. He said he's never been guarded this way since since high school. So he'll figure it out. But props to the Miami Heat, man. And Jimmy Butler is having a spectacular series. Averaging 30.5 points, 8 boards, 5 assists on 54% shooting from the field, 44% from 3, and 79% from the free throw line. And the biggest thing I'm taking away from Jimmy Butler in this series is his confidence. He's very confident and willing to take the three, knocking it down, and he seems absolutely in control on the offensive side of the ball, dictating the pace, the tempo, and just getting to his spots easy. Um, he wasn't able to get to or his spot, or he took the wrong spot when he took that fadeaway three in game three at the end, but overall, Jimmy Butler has been able to get to his spots, and the Hawks' defenses have not provided much if any resistance for him to get to those spots so jimmy butler phenomenal i want to see if it can continue you know you got potentially the philadelphia 76ers in the second round the defenses are going to get better the hawks are not a great defensive team so the defenses are going to get better i want to see if jimmy can continue to rise and shine because they're going to need this maybe not even 30 points a game they're going to need 25 plus they're going to need some 30-point games in there. So we'll see if Jimmy's up to the task. We've seen him ball out before. So hopefully for the Miami Heat fans' sake, they can get that done there. And then P.J. Tucker, got to mention him. He's been taking the ta- uh, excuse me the Trey Young assignment defensively. He's been the primary defender, and he's doing a very, very good job on Trey. Wall shooting over 60% from downtown, so... Props to P.J. Tucker, and we saw how key he was for the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoff run last year. Had great defense on Kevin Durant, amongst others, throughout that playoff run. So P.J. Tucker is going to be vital if the Miami Heat want to make another deep playoff run. And then Kyle Lowry's injury, he missed game four. So hopefully Kyle Lowry can come back soon because they will need Kyle Lowry in the Philly series. Gabe Vincent is cool. But he's not Kyle Lowry, and they're going to need him on both ends of the floor. Next up, we'll talk about Philly versus the Toronto Raptors. And the Sixers are up 3-1 to one in this series. Really love what I've seen from Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey's averaging 23 points per game. He's shooting 55% from the field, 45.5% from three and 93% from the free throw line. He, to me, has been the star of the series. Obviously, Joel Embiid has played great. 26 points, 11 rebounds on 49% shooting. He had a game winner in overtime in game three. A step back, fade away three. Like, <laughs> the fact that you are seven feet tall and doing that type of stuff is ridiculous. But at the same time, The efficiency of Tyrese Maxey and his consistent production, particularly in game one and game two, to take them out to a 2-0 series lead and really put them in great position to ultimately come to Toronto knowing that they only have to win one game, which Embiid was able to get done. Major props. Major props. And really the core four, so to speak, the main 
guys that you're looking at offensively for the Philadelphia 76ers, where most of the points are going to come from, they've all shown up. And although Harden hasn't done it with his scoring, he's shown up as a facilitator, double-digit assists. He's averaging a double-double, 19-10. and 10. But I will say for Harden's sake, I am worried a little bit. And I've mentioned this numerous times about his lack of explosion, getting to the basket, and his first step just seems slower. But he's still phenomenal. And he's still a very key impact piece. And Philadelphia is definitely happy that they have him instead of Ben Simmons, who wasn't even playing. You know, so they'll definitely take that trade 10 times out of 10. And it's going to help them get to the next round because Harden's setting the table for all these other guys to get their shots and playing that facilitator, point guard type of role really, really well. I want to give a shout out to Tobias Harris, too. He's kind of that fourth member of the core four. And he stepped up in a big way, 18 points, 10 rebounds, two blocks a game, shooting 59% from the field, 53% from three, and 83% from the free throw line. That efficiency and that level of production in multiple areas, rebounding, defense, and shooting slash scoring efficiency, ridiculous, ridiculous from him. And he's not been someone that you could count on earlier in the season. So the fact that he's been able to step up and – make big-time shots, make big-time plays. Got to tip your cap because if Tobias is playing like that, the Sixers have a real, real chance of being legit. So on the Toronto side, great game from Pascal Siakam, his past game, and Scotty Barnes is trying to get his way back into the fold after being injured in this series. Fred Van Fleet also suffered an injury. I don't know what his status is moving forward. But those are some things to watch from the Raptors side of things. They're going back to Philly for game five. I do believe the Sixers will close out game five at home. But props to the Toronto Raptors for at least getting a game. Although a lot of y'all said the Raptors are going to win this series, which I personally did not see. So I, I can't believe that, that those were takes going around, especially considering Philly just had way more talent than the Toronto Raptors. And talent isn't necessarily everything, but it's a lot of the thing in the playoffs. And there's a big mismatch from that aspect of talent. Switching gears, we'll talk about the Bucks and the Bulls series. The Bulls are trailing now 3-1 to one in this series. DeMar DeRozan had a ridiculous 41-point game in Game 2, which was the only game that Chicago won. That was also the game in which Chris Middleton got injured in. Prayers up to Chris Middleton, hoping his health is good moving forward. That's the story of this series to me. Because the Bucs were always going to beat the Chicago Bulls. They were clearly the superior team. But the Bucs are not just trying to get out the first round. They're trying to win an NBA championship again, just like they did last year. And Chris Middleton obviously was a huge part of that championship run as a closer as a bucket getter, as a shooter. They need Chris Middleton to make a deep playoff run. And so we want to see what his health is going to be moving forward. Will he be available? And in what capacity will he be available in for the next series? Versus a Boston Celtics team that's looking phenomenal, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So that's what I'm looking for in this series. But Giannis, 27.5 points, 14.5 rebounds, 7 assists, and 2 blocks. Dominant. MVP level stuff. 
I still believe he should have won the MVP this year, but it's okay. Because he's he's got his eyes set on his second finals MVP, and we all know at this point in time that Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best basketball player on the planet. So I think he'll take that. That's good enough for him. Drew Holiday's taking over as the number two option on both sides of the ball. He's been very, very good. And then you have some of the support pieces showing up for the Bucks. Drew Holiday, obviously, stepping into a bigger role with Middleton now. So everyone else got to step up a little bit too. Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, and Grayson Allen. Big time shooting from Grayson Allen. And he he thrives off the negativity. The Chicago Bulls fans have been heckling him for, for his injury. He injured Caruso um, on what I believe to be a dirty play for sure. But Grayson Allen's been that type of guy, and he thrives off the negativity. So he's hooping in this series. And Drew Holiday said in a post-game interview, too, that the Bucks literally just boo. They boo Grayson Allen, like, at practice and stuff, which is hilarious. So they're having a good time, and they're taking care of business. Chicago, I'll say they've been trying at times, but they just simply aren't good enough. They definitely could have put up a better fight the past two games where they just basically got blown out their own gym back-to-back. So, And you have no Chris Middleton. At that point, you'd think you could win another game at home, but they just couldn't get it done. And it's tough to play the defending champs. It's tough to play the best player in the league, so I'll give them a pass. And it's their first playoff run in a while. Chicago Bulls have not been to the postseason basically since the Jimmy Butler era. So it was cool to see them back in the playoffs, but... Short-lived for them, for sure. Uh, let's move over to the Western Conference now. We got some very intriguing series in the Western Conference. A lot of people thought the East first-round series would be better, but it's actually been the Western Conference, and it really hasn't particularly been that close. The top East teams are just leaps and bounds above their competition. But out West, we got a lot of 2-2 series, including the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. And for the Grizzlies, Desmond Bain has led the way. And that's not the greatest thing. I mean, Desmond Bain is hooping. Don't get me wrong. He's a sharp shooter. He shot over 40% from three. One of the top three-point percentage guys in the NBA. And he plays really, really good defense too. Very solid player. But he's a complimentary player. If the Grizzlies want to get to where they need to be, they want to be as the second best record in the league throughout the whole season and being championship contenders, John Moray has to play like a superstar. And if Desmond Bain is leading the way for you, John Moray is not playing like a superstar. And he definitely has not. They had a 16-0 run in game three in Minnesota to come back and, and win that game. They were down basically 20 for the majority of the game. They could have found themselves potentially down 3-1 if they didn't come back in that type of fashion, which is ridiculous fashion. By the way, no timeout called for the Minnesota Timberwolves during that ridiculous run. But credit to the Grizzlies for making that comeback, and they lost game four by only one point. So you could potentially argue that, oh, they could be up 3-1 if if they get that one. Or even if, if you want to even say... They should have swept this series. I, I wouldn't go that far. But this is a series that I've swung on a couple a couple plays, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And for a two-versus-seven matchup, 
That's not really what you want to see. The Grizzlies should be in more control of this series, especially considering they're going to have to play Golden State in the second round. And Minnesota hasn't even played their best basketball. D'Lo's struggling, and Towns has been wishy-washy. He's been phenomenal in wins and also equally as terrible in losses. So it's basically through four games come down to if you get a great game for Carl Anthony Towns, the Minnesota Timberwolves are winning. And it shouldn't really be that simple if you're the Grizzlies. Like, Grizzlies have been playing high-level defense all year. Jaron Jackson was my pick for Defensive Player of the Year. So it shouldn't be like that. You got you got to tee up a little bit, Grizzlies. Like some games, you're you're clamping up, you're doing a great job on Towns. Other games, not so much. So we'll see which version of Towns shows up, which version of John Morant shows up. But at the end of the day, I think the Grizzlies are the better team in a best out of three series with Memphis having home court. I'm taking the Grizzlies, but should be an exciting finish down the stretch of the series. Next up, we got Denver and and Golden State. Denver was able to get a game last night, but Golden State, man, they look like a well-oiled machine. They're up 3-1 in the series, and they're just showing us glimpses of what this team could look like moving forward. We got Steph Curry coming off the bench right now. Working his way back from injury, 27.5 points per game, 5.5 assists, 51% shooting from the field. Just 39, he's still shooting sub 40% from three, 39%. And this is Steph Curry we're talking about. So when other players shoot 39% from the field, it's cool, it's good. But this is the greatest shooter of all time. This is, we've seen this dude win unanimous MVPs in large part because of his shooting. So, and only 75% from the free throw line. Now that's crazy. He's got the highest three-point percentage, or excuse me, free throw percentage of all time. So, overall, his shooting can be even better. And he's coming off the bench, working his way back in, coming off the injury. A lot of reasons you can say for for these things. But regardless, we're just seeing a glimpse of Steph Curry and it's been phenomenal. In limited minutes, putting up 27.5 points. Like, that's crazy. Jordan Poole, even crazier in his first playoff series. 24 points a game, 6 assists, and a whopping 60% from the field, 52% from three-point range. And really, the only game he struggled in this series was this past game, and they lost. So I'll be curious to see how reliant they are on Jordan Poole playing and shooting lights out as the playoffs go on. Because as good as Jordan Poole is, I don't think 60% from the field is sustainable. He's going to come back down to earth a little bit. So how would the Golden State Warriors be able to cope with that? I think it will be pretty simple. You know, you got Steph coming back in the starting lineup, getting more minutes Guys like Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins made an all-star team, so he should be able to contribute. Clay Thompson. <laughs> Clay Thompson, his first series back from injury since the 2019 finals, averaging 24.5 points per game on 52% shooting from the field and 50% from three. 50% from three. Just absolutely lights out shooting from the Golden State Warriors. Draymond Green, as usual, stellar defense. The squad is tough. The squad is really, really tough. They're deep. They're skilled. They're smart. I don't see how the Golden State Warriors don't win the NBA championship at this point. They just have to have 
Clay regressed, Jordan Poole regressed, Steph Curry's just not right. I'm not saying they're leaps and bounds above the rest of the NBA, but so far they've looked like it. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, they've looked like it so far. But I do acknowledge there's a lot of supremely talented teams in this league. There's a lot of better defenses than what Denver is bringing to the table with all due respect, having to bench the MVP down the stretch because he cannot guard Steph Curry in a pick and roll situation. So they'll they'll definitely have more, more tests as the rounds go on, but so far Golden State's look great. And Jokic just looked great, I'm not going to lie. And he's averaging 31 points per game, 11 rebounds, 5 assists on 52, or excuse me, 56% shooting. Those are the same type of MVP numbers we're used to seeing from Jokic. And the fact that he didn't go out sad, he got a game off the Golden State Warriors is wildly impressive. Shout out Bones Highland from the Nuggets off the bench, a guard that was getting buckets out there. Austin Rivers played some key defense. It was a team effort from the Nuggets. Aaron Gordon shipping in, but... Overall in this series, let's just say it's not been as much of a team effort. Jokic has really put his backpack on, trying to do everything he can to will this Nuggets team into at least making these games competitive. So props to him. Dallas versus the Utah Jazz. This is a 2-2 series. Jalen Brunson has been the hero for Dallas. 30 points per game, shooting over 40% from three. Looking for a bag this summer, and he's proving worthy of a big bag. And now they got Luka Doncic back. Luka was injured for the first three games of the series. He came back in limited minutes in game four. Dropped 30 points in his return, but the Jazz lost. Or excuse me, the Mavericks lost. Gobert hit game-winning lob dunk. Hit is crazy, but yeah, just he dunked the ball in off the lob. And Dwight Powell, he missed two clutch free throws down the stretch that could have sealed the game for the Mavericks. So, salute to the Jazz, but similar to what I said about Memphis and even more confident in this one because Luka Doncic is clear the best player. Like, no doubt about it. And you get a best out of three series at home with the best player. And Jalen Brunson's going off. Yeah, I got the Mavericks. But should be a good good finish. Donovan Mitchell's averaging 30 points per game, but he's doing it pretty inefficiently. Rudy Gobert's had some solid games in there. But I just like this matchup for the Mavericks. I think they can attack Utah's poor defense. And they can honestly attack the multiple-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, because he cannot stay consistently out on the perimeter and the lineups that Dallas is going to run out there with multiple guards is just tougher for Utah to deal with. All right, so we got one more series. At game four right now, we got the Suns and the Pelicans, 2-2. And you got Devin Booker's injury being the main takeaway in this one. He got injured in game two. He's sidelined for multiple weeks. Expected to be at least. We'll see how that comes down the line. But Chris Paul having to take over now as a lead guy for the Suns. He was great in game three. 19 points in the fourth quarter to close it out. Finished with 14 assists, zero turnovers. 
doing typical CP3 activity. Efficient, not turning the ball over, owning the fourth quarter. But then in game four, is a complete 180. Complete 180, man. Four points in game four on 25% shooting. You have a chance to go up 3-1 and you're dropping four? I'm not saying in the fourth quarter. I'm saying for the game, four points. That's bad. That's bad. Like, life comes at you fast in the postseason. Going from 19 points in the fourth quarter, 28 overall to four. Wow. That's tough. DeAndre Aiden averaging 20 and 10 for the Suns. He's getting more prominent roles since Devin Booker went down. He's also trying to get paid. I believe he will, whether it's by the Suns or another team, for sure. And we got to show love to the Pelicans, too. This is a team, 36 wins on the season. They started off 1-12. 12 Think about that. You start off the season 1-12, and, and you're in the playoffs against a 64-win Suns team, and you're tied 2-2 going back to Phoenix. That's stellar. That's stellar. Brandon Ingram, fantastic in his first playoff series thus far. 30 points a game, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 51% shooting from the field, 50% from 3, 88% from the free throw line. Ridiculously efficient numbers, 30-point score. Doing what we expect KD to do, <laughs> to be honest. Out there hooping. A lot of KD comparisons given his length, his ability to shoot over the defense. And he's got an edge to him, too. He was talking some junk to, to CP3 down the stretch. He said, you want to take this? You want to take this one in the locker room? Take this one outside? Started Starting all the beef, wanting all the smoke, man. I respect it, Brandon Ingram. And, and him being the best player on the floor, CJ can match anyone on a given night. The Pelicans have a recipe to give themselves a really, really good shot to win this series. They've been really good on the boards. Valanchunas grabbed like 25 rebounds last game. So they're going to be a problem. They're going to be a serious, serious threat. But I'm leading Suns to pull this series out just to find a way. I just can't imagine a team that's been this great all year long and has won games without multiple guys in the lineup, key guys. They've won games without Booker, without CP, and without DeAndre Ayton. I have to trust that they can get it done. But we'll see. We'll see. That would be crazy, though, if the if the Pelicans win this series. That would be nuts. All right, so we're going to conclude. I'm going to give you guys my playoff power ranking so far of the top five teams, just based off of what I've seen so far, okay? This is not a projection thing. It's about right now who have been the top five teams in the NBA playoffs. Number five, Philadelphia 76ers. They could be higher on this list, but... James Harden needs to see a little bit more out of him, especially against better teams. So I'm not sold on that. Joel Embiid has now a torn ligament in his thumb that we're finding out. He's going to try to play through it and get surgery in the offseason, but that's worrisome again. Joel Embiid, every year it seems like in the postseason, he's playing through some serious injury that is going to require surgery. And that's just not great for the Sixers because... The trends have shown us that they're a second-round exit usually because of that in large part. 
and also just because of them choking and underperforming. So you got Doc Rivers, so you don't know what he's going to look like in terms of if he's going to get outcoached schematically versus the other elite of the elite coaches. James Harden, how's he going to look like in the playoffs? And then Joel Embiid with his injury stuff. It, it's There's a lot of concern. But they've looked great, nonetheless. They've looked great. They've looked like a top-five caliber team. That's why they're on the list. And Doc Rivers has actually outcoached Nick Nurse so far. So, got to give him props. Number four, I'm going Milwaukee Bucks, the defending champs. And the reason that they're not higher is because they're kind of playing with their food against the Chicago Bulls. They're not giving it max effort. They're really not playing their best basketball. But Giannis is still Giannis. He's still looking like the best player in the league. Drew Holiday still looking really good, but they don't have Chris Middleton either. And that's something that's factored into this ranking as well because we haven't seen Chris Middleton for a handful of games in the series. We don't know what his status is going to consistently be moving forward. Number three, the Miami Heat. Taking care of the Atlanta Hawks, clamping up Trey Young. And Jimmy Butler is looking like a guy you can count on to run your offense through, at least right now. Got to see how that looks moving forward, but... Again, based on what I've seen so far, I trust that. I trust that right now in this series that I've seen. I've seen them show up. I've seen him produce. So I'll give him a three spot for now. Potentially can move down. Potentially can move up. Number two, Boston Celtics. The only team that's not lost a playoff game. Their defense has been spectacular. Jason Tatum has been spectacular. They still have room for growth, too, on the offensive side of the ball. They really do. And Robert Williams just got back. Should be even better. So for those reasons, I'm, I'm giving Boston the number two spot, but I can't give them the number one spot because Golden State just looks so dang good. So dang good this year. Curry, Clay, Jordan Poole. They, they called this core for... The, the name that I saw trending was PTSD. That's what they're calling Golden State. Poole. Steph. Thompson. And Draymond. <laughs> That's PTSD, bro. That's, wow. <laughs> That's, That's, That's clever. And it's so accurate, too, because the rest of the NBA is having PTSD because... They saw the Warriors run the league just a couple years ago, and now it's it's back with a different iteration with Jordan Poole in the mix, a young guy that's going to be around for a very, very long time. So, yeah, Golden State right now, they look like the best team in the NBA. They're getting my number one spot. So I got Golden State number one, Boston number two, Miami number three, Milwaukee number four, and the Philadelphia 76ers number five. Playoff power rankings based on what I've seen so far. Again, next week we'll update the rankings and do that. Got a lot of series. This is probably going to conclude this week. So we'll also talk about that on next week's show. But quickly to wrap up the episode. I'm going to talk about the awards. Rookie of the year. Defensive player of the year. Were announced. We got Scotty Barnes winning the rookie of the year. And both of these are pretty controversial to be honest. Scotty Barnes finished top three in points per game. Rebounds per game. And assists per game for a rookie. So he won the Rookie of the Year, only finalist for the award on a playoff team. And to me, this is representative of an overachieving Raptors squad that 
They really have a solid young core to build off of for the future. Scotty Barnes is a big part in that. I personally would have went Evan Mobley. I think Evan Mobley put up very similar numbers across the board. But his defense to me was the difference maker. He's not even just for a rookie. He's been a spectacular defender overall. Rim protection, versatility. And he did it for a Cavs squad that was really, really elite on the defensive side of the ball when they were healthy. And the Cavs were in playoff position when the regular season ended. They did lose back-to-back play-in games to eliminate themselves for the playoffs. But just because it is a regular season award, you still have to say that Evan Mobley had his team in playoff position too. And yes, neither of these guys were the driving forces of their team. Scotty Barnes playing alongside Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet while Evan Mobley's playing next to Darius Garland and Jared Allen. Three of those four guys made the All-Star team, and then Pascal Siakam, who didn't make the All-Star team, is likely to make the All-NBA. So it's not like these guys were the driving forces of their team's success, but they played very, very key roles. I would have went with Mobley, but I'm not mad that Scotty Barnes got it, and he deserved it, as well as Cade Cunningham, who finished third. They all had great seasons. And then the Defensive Player of the Year went to Marcus Smart. He's the first guard to win Defensive Player of the Year since Gary Payton the 1995-1996 season. And he's brought to the table elite versatile defense with a team with the best defensive rating in the league. We're seeing what they're doing to the Brooklyn Nets right now. We're seeing what he's done in large part to Kyrie Irving, but also doing a job on Kevin Durant when he gets on him. Boston does it collectively, though, as a unit. They're a great team defense. Not really just one individual guy, but Marcus Smart is the vocal leader. He's the guy that you're seeing on the ball causing havoc. And I like to see that an on-the-ball defender, a versatile defender, got it. I personally, like I've said before, would have gone with Jaron Jackson Jr. He led the league in blocks. He led the league in what they call stocks, steals, and blocks. Uh, And the Grizzlies had one of the best defenses in the NBA. But... I'm happy that Marcus Smart got it at the same time. I love to see them rewarding this guy. Man, he really deserves it. The perimeter players also don't get the type of love on defense, and they really have a tough job guarding some of the elite offensive weapons on an island sometimes. So that's basically going to do it for this episode. Uh, We got more awards probably coming out next week. Series will be concluding, which we can break down. Appreciate y'all for rocking with us. I'm out. Peace.